Welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, a Lenten podcast for 2020 from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today's podcast is for the fourth Sunday in Lent, Year A, focusing on the Gospel reading, John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. Listen in. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett. We love to study scripture together and talk about it and share it with you for insights and learning and spiritual growth. So thanks for tuning in once again. This week we have something new. Bible Banter has a jingle. If you're looking for some answers, tune on into Bible Banter. When we have a thought, we share it. Or our names aren't Barb and Jarrett. Bible, 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 Bible Banter! With special guest... Natalie Hill! Say hi, Natalie Hill! <laughs> hi, Barb and Jarrett. Thanks for including me this week. We have Natalie Hill, our Associate for Communications and Administration. She's going to join us in the reading of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. Take it away, Barb. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud in the man's eyes, saying to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud in my eyes. Then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, 
He is a prophet. The Judeans did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Judeans. For the Judeans had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Here ends the lesson. That's uh, quite a big reading there. There's lots to talk about. I think Barb has a really important qualifier to lead off with when we're dealing with a story with the healing at the middle of it. Okay, this is true. So there are a lot of healing stories in the Bible, in both the Hebrew scriptures and in the Christian scriptures. And you have to be careful, especially in our day and age, when thinking about healing. So one of the things to keep in mind is that sometimes biblical healing stories can be interpreted to make it seem like people with impairments are something that God would rather we not have that we that we not have any physical ailments that that we be perfect and so you get these these um stories where god seems to heal the imperfections some of the time and not all of the time and it's very hard to predict 
when is God going to heal people? So there's this really dangerous notion that the able-bodied in the stories are blessed and the impaired are not. And so with people who have physical or mental impairments, um, they've often been made to feel because of the scriptures that in order to be part of the church community, they have to suffer the obstacles or they have to adapt or they have to hide their impairments or go get healing and come back when they fit in. Yeah, I think you make a great point, Barb. And part of it is this. In the passage, they're making it clear that the blindness is not a moral issue. And where we get hung up so many times is that illness or health are correlated with God's love or not love of you and correlated with your good or bad behavior. So, but the moral level is the least important level of this story. And we're being taught by the story to get out of the framework of morality to think about illness and health. Absolutely. One of the things I'm just realizing as we were reading it through here and, and bringing up this point, right at the beginning in uh, verse 3, Jesus answers when they ask, who sinned? He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. It was God's intention that there's something to be revealed in this person's state of being as they are. And that puts a whole level of dignity around people with all of their impairments because everybody has obstacles, everybody has impairments. And one of the things about some of the words we use is that an impairment is just a physical or emotional condition that requires someone to function differently, right? And But a disability is what happens when society puts some parameters around that and says, in order to, for you to be abled with your impairment, you have to do this or you have to do that. So in this scripture, there's this great reversal where the glory of God is revealed through impairments. That's the story of the cross as well. And, and here's exactly what happens. If we get stuck on the morality or the therapeutic, we completely miss what Jesus is doing here. We, if I might say, we don't see it. Aha. Uh, see what I did there? Yeah. So what is Jesus? Uh, I did it again. <laughs> what is Jesus doing here, Jared? Well, he's pointing us past this um, bind of blessing and curse, and he's doing an act of complete recreation. Mm. He's calling back to the beginning of creation is itself with mud, what we're made out of. Oh, yeah. God makes us out of the dirt of the earth and the spirit moves over the water at the beginning of creation. Mm. So my reading is that this is a moment where the man born blind is made into the new creation, which is what Christ makes all of us into when we accept the offer of life in Christ. And here's another reason I say that is after the healing his neighbors don't recognize him. Oh, nice. That's really That's interesting, transformation right? Transformation there. Right. There's, it's yeah. a bigger transformation than just he can see. Right? He's a new creation. He's a new person, a person renewed in Christ. Who is this guy? It's not just healing. It's not moral change. It's a relationship change that transforms. 
So right, the word healing is never used in this story. So you have a, a man, his eyes are opened, he was formerly blind, he now sees, he wasn't a disciple for, now he is. In fact, he's given a gift by Jesus that he doesn't even ask for. He is just who he is, and he stays who he is throughout this entire story in terms of his own dignity and sense of self. He receives a gift. You know, just imagine you're a man born blind and somebody comes up and just all of a sudden is like scraping up mud and sticking it in your eye. And you're like, what was what, going on here? But, you know, he just follows along with this gift. He goes and he gets washed. He comes back. He can see it's this gradual thing that he allows God to work in himself. And part of the drama here is there's the action going on between the man born blind and Jesus and then we have the chorus of the skeptical Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Oh man! Who are, right, and they're they're. I think it's comical in a way because they're so missing the point. There's such a chorus of people not seeing what's going on, almost comically at the end. Yeah, well, you didn't see. You think you see? You didn't see, because <laughs> yeah. they're stuck on this level of moral judgment. They're just mm-hmm. and they're stuck on the level of who's in and who's out using a rigid moral code to create ins and outs where Jesus's whole intention is finding the blind man, bringing Mm. the blind man in, including him in the circle of God's life rather than getting lost in this skepticism about moral value and um, personal worth. I love that part of this story. I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting that there are so many points at which there's a desire to pull people out of relationship with one another. One of the things, this whole ridiculousness about they so didn't recognize the guy that they went to his parents to check with them. Like, (laughs) are you sure this is your son? Was he really born blind? But the parents are afraid to even declare that they believe Jesus is the Messiah because doing so would remove them from the community Mm. and the relationship (laughs) that they have with their people. That's what the Pharisees seem to want to do, but Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus wants for a continued relationship for everyone. The course of judgment is so dangerous because it spirals down into this kind of legalistic world of proof and chasing these rabbits to the parents who are like involved and clearly don't want to be involved and clearly scared to be involved because there's power at play here about their status in the community. Will, how will they be regarded? And that's how disruptive Jesus was, because he is disrupting a key provision that makes the people of Judea followers of God. He's breaking the Sabbath. Hmm. That is a primary marker of being part of the community of God or not. It threatens everybody, and it threatens your relationship to regard in that community. So it's on the other side, the other relationship that Jesus is revealing here is a relationship with God and humanity that is based on faith and believing. It's not based on formulas, but it's based on coming into relationship with God that allows you to gradually see and see more and see more and see more. And maybe that should be the guy's name. But anyway. Seymour, <laughs> standing beside Jesus. That's why Natalie's here today. 
<laughs> Natalie. Little, little shop, musical theater. Little shop of <laughs> Sorry. All right, moving on. So the so shall we call him Seymour? Um, but he he reveals a certain kind of faith, and there's there's several little parts of this. It's really kind of cool. What kind of alternative? does the man who had been blind reveal in his faith? So you see his faith is gradual seeing. Jesus goes in the first scene from some man called Jesus to at the final, his final understanding is that Jesus is the Messiah. Gradually his seeing gets more and more. Um, Over time, the man has a sense of dignity that he reveals in his faith. He says, I am the man, which sounds like I am. You know, this is this phrasing that we know to be um, truth of revelation. He has a willingness to go with what God is doing, even though he doesn't anticipate that. And he doesn't ask to be healed, you know, but he goes ahead and gets washed. He has a sense of humor and a sense of irony at those who couldn't believe what's obvious. And he has humility. Who am I that I might see? You know, tell me that I might believe. All of this is what the other side of faith looks like. That's great, Barb. Thanks. And I want to wrap up on this tender note, uh, which I love. So at the end of verse 34, it ends, And they drove him out, Mm. having pronounced Mm. judgment. The punishment for judgment is to be expelled, to be distant out of the community. Broken relationship. Broken relationship. But here's how 35 begins, which I think is so tender and so beautiful and worth just sitting with in this big, long passage. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, Jesus seeks out the rejected. He seeks Mm. out the person who has been cast away, rejected, and continues his work of enlightenment, his work of bringing this person to see the new world that's in front of him. And the new world in front of him is Jesus, Mm. who he then affirms. And now he's part of a community that is premised on the unbreakable inclusion of God, not the contingent and variable moods of a people. Lord, I believe. Amen. 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 Good podcast, folks. Thanks, Natalie, for being with us today. That was fun. I think it was fun. We're going to keep them coming, and we're going to find other ways to reach and build community across social distance during this brief moment where we're doing the caring thing with each other and backing off a little bit and giving each other some space so no one gets infected who's vulnerable, but we're still caring and loving for each other in prayer and through podcasts. Thanks for being part of this. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock a.m. for a Spoken Holy Eucharist, 9.15 a.m. Worship Together, Holy Eucharist for Preschool Families, or 10.30 a.m. Choral Eucharist. During Lent, we offer Compline weekly on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Other weekday services may be found on our website at stmartinec.org. 
To learn more about our other Lenten offerings, including suggested reading, Bible studies, and Wellspring spiritual formation programs, please visit stmartinec.org forward slash Lent. Our Holy Week and Easter schedule is also available on our website at stmartinec.org forward slash Holy Week Easter. We look forward to seeing you here. Have a blessed Lent!